What is the Podcast Matrix? The Podcast Matrix is your source for podcast hosting. Get your entire podcast library hosted at podcastmatrix.com. When you hear the words Friday the 13th, what do you think of? While most will recollect a certain impossible-to-be-killed masked individual bearing sharp weapons of all kinds, there's another Friday the 13th that deserves attention. In 1987, Friday the 13th, the series, created a rich tapestry of completely original storytelling. Based on a series of curious, devilishly enchanted objects that must be recovered and returned to the vault to prevent truly dark fates from befalling their owners. This is the detailed revisit and review of the adventures of their reacquisition. Episode by episode. You won't find any hockey masks here. This is the Curious Goods Podcast from Two Guys Talking Horror. Everyone's got a fear of hospitals, the unknown, the fright that comes from a procedure in place that's always got an unknown X factor. But what if that nondescript operation to fix your whatever was being completed utilizing the scalpel of Jack the Ripper? While it might sound dire and a bit over the top, there's a strange light at the end of the Ripper's scalpel's tunnel. Not sure what we're talking about? Then it's time for you to listen to this episode of the Curious Goods Podcast. A retelling, a revisit, and a complete educational detailing of each episode of Friday the 13th, the series. This time, Season 1, Episode 7, Dr. Jack. Greetings, everybody. I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Nicholas J. Hearn, your other host. Tons to talk about inside this episode, but first, some quick housekeeping. The Podcaster's Matrix. I just wanted to affirm to everyone again that the Podcaster's Matrix is now open for business. And whether you're looking for hosting services, whether you're looking to add some pizzazz to your podcast, or a variety of other things, make sure that you stop what you're doing right now and head to podcastersmatrix.com. Interesting input about the program. Nick, this last week I talked to three different people about this show, and before I got done telling them about the name of our podcast, or the actual name of the program, they all remember seeing this show. Yeah. But they don't remember the name of this program. Hmm. Isn't that funny? Interesting. Interesting, because most people remember the name of the show Mm -hmm. and then go, oh yeah, I never watched that. I, I was never into Friday the 13th. Yeah. You think Friday that when it, when you hear Friday the Thirteenth, you're automatically thinking of Jason hockey Voorhees, right. hockey yeah. mask, uh-huh. hack slash in the woods, and therein lies the problem. Mm-hmm. The show had nothing to do with that. So had you watched the show, you would have been delighted to see this, this great, yeah, exactly yeah. this great show, uh, this great anthology show that's 
also a continuing story of three characters fighting the forces of evil. Yeah, yeah. really, this is just serving as a reminder to all of you to please share not just our podcast, but the concept of this program, because I am absolutely certain that those three people are only a very few of the people that remember this show and would also be listening to this podcast mm-hmm. if they knew that that show had a run of three seasons. Yeah. So, again, that's a call to all of you out there to take a moment and share not only our podcast, but the fact that you're listening to our podcast and that you remember a show called Friday the 13th, the series. And because we're such sweethearts here, always in the show notes, located in our show notes, will always be a way to watch the episode we're talking about. Right. Okay, enough of housekeeping. It's time to jump with both hands to grasp Jack the Ripper's scalpel inside this episode of the Curious Goods Podcast. I am ready. I've got my medical degree. Well, no, not really. I'm not a doctor, but I play one on TV. (laughs) This is Friday the 13th, the series, Season 1, Episode 7, Dr. Jack. Our story begins on a crowded street. It's dark out, and we're watching people to and fro. There's this uh, really aggressive, angry street florist. He's approached by a tall figure in a hat, and a, a it's not a trench coat, but it's a it's a very heavy. T- I, I would kind of call it the the murderer's coat. Uh, it's a murder coat. It is a total murder, murder coat, coat. <laughs> and he's got the like a the collar like way up high. You can't see his face. So already mis- terribly mysterious. And he's not saying anything to the florist, but he's he's holding out, what was it, like like a $50 bill? The florist was very now very interested in, in helping this guy. Oh, well, sir, no problem. Let me give you all the flowers that you want. And the mysterious man lets go of the money, and it kind of floats away behind the florist into an alley. Oh, no, don't worry about that. I'll get that, sir. Get that, yeah. And he goes, he grabs the money, and he's attacked from behind by mysterious killer jacket man with this very ornate looking antique scalpel and it cuts right through his throat unlike skilled killers he's seen there remember this is a crowded street so there are a bunch of people who actually see this guy killing this florist so to get away guess what he does he runs down the alley and is stopped because there's bars there's bar literal literal bars at the end of this alley well, this guy's not worried about it. You know why? Because he takes out his ornate antique scalpel and cuts through the damn bars like they're butter, escaping into the night. <laughs> now, the next day, Jack, Mickey, and Ryan are reading the paper, and because there were witnesses to this attack, it leads them to look into the manifest in which they do actually find details regarding a antique scalpel which may or may not have actually belonged to Jack the Ripper. Now, of course, since they have the manifest and they can see who the person that it was that, that purchased it, the gang goes off to investigate, Scooby-Doo style. And that leads them to Jim's Knives, and they do their best Hawaii Five-O act. And, because Jim... With the roasted pig. That's right, because Jim Jim's an ex-con. And Jack is able to outsmart the ex-con, getting all the information that they need. They find out that Jim sold the knife to a doctor 
named Dr. Howlett, who's been making a lot of press lately. The three of them jump into their car and head towards the hospital to ask more questions and find out more detail. As they get there, they meet up with an incredibly experienced woman who is the head of surgery, who details that Dr. Howlett has not only been able to save people that weren't supposed to be saved, but that he's created this torrent of media attention, the likes of which have never been seen inside of the hospital's long reputation. But it is appreciated. Asterisk. Yes, because the hospital has fallen on hard times and actually there's some scan- there were some scandals going on. So actually having a brilliant, quote-unquote, brilliant surgeon who has never lost a patient is a boon to them to try to get their reputation back up. Now, of course, this Dr. Howlett, total god complex, plays to the media, monologues all the time about life and death, and the, the, with great the, power comes great responsibility. During the surgical theater sessions. Right, exactly. Right. During the surgical theater sessions, uh, not afterwards, not before, but while he's cutting people up. Mm-hmm. As Jack, Mickey, and Ryan are about to question Dr. Howlett, a mysterious female pops out of nowhere and tries to kill Dr. Howlett with a gun, but she's stopped by some orderlies, luckily enough. The gun is taken away. And Jack. And Jack. Jack is there too, yes. Jack takes the gun, the orderlies take this lady away, and put her in a psychiatric ward. I don't know about, you know, the medical laws of the 1980s, but I don't... I don't think that's right. I don't think that's actual legally to do. But you know what? Whatever. They lock her up. Jack questions her and finds out that Howlett is responsible for the murder of her daughter. And of course, she wants revenge. So now Jack, Mickey, and Ryan are on the hunt for Dr. Howlett, Mm -hmm. who has slipped into the bowels of the hospital. And there's a lot of cat and mouse going around. Before he can get away, Jack corners Dr. Howlett, and there, there's a there's a struggle. I'm going to shove you, and you're going to shove me. No, I'm going to shove you. No, I'm going to shove no, you. No, I'm going to shove you. And I'm going to shove you right into an open elevator shaft, to which Jack actually has to jump and hold on to the cables. Mm-hmm. But what does Howlett do? He cuts through those cables like butter. Jack falls down at least, what, 40, 50 feet? Uh, that, yeah. On top of the elevator with the cable falling on top of him and is at least knock, knocked unconscious. Knocked unconscious and, and hurt very badly. And blood coming out of his nose. Yes. Very, very serious. And instead of calling the police and or an ambulance, although I guess they would just take him to the hospital anyway. Right. They decide to just put Jack in a room... Get him on a gurney, and, put him in a room, and, and, and see what's wrong with him. Right, and try to find time to pay homage to Jack's memory while something's going to happen. And so that same ancient, very incredibly experienced surgical... The head of surgery? Thank you. <laughs> he uh, comes back to talk to Mickey and, and Ryan and tells them that there's only one person that she knows that could possibly pull off the surgery that needs to happen to the septum gluteus maximus fatoris that's broken on Jack. Dr. Howlett. It's Dr. Howlett. Dr. Howlett. The magic scalpel. Yeah. And that's, and you know, that's a great thing because now it's, it's, ooh, what do we do? 
Howlett has to perform the surgery because he's the only person who can perform the surgery because he has the cursed scalpel. Right. So the head of surgery kind of corners Howlett. Howlett doesn't want anything to do with doing any more surgeries because he doesn't think that there's enough juice in his cursed scalpel to be able to do anything. Right. But the head of surgery is basically, well, guess what? The press knows about this, and, uh, well, if you want to look like a fool, uh, you can decline or you can do this. So, of course, Howlett... All right. I'll do it. Howlett goes out searching for a victim. victim Yeah, a victim mission. Now, of course, this time around, he's not covering his face for some reason. (laughs) Because he doesn't need to. He's wearing wearing the hat and he's wearing the murder coat, but we can see his face perfectly fine. He looks very much like Peter Sellers, frankly. Uh, Without the mustache. Without the mustache, he looks like Detective Clouseau (laughs) with a murder knife. And and we see him stalking a skater boy. And we feel, oh no, poor skater boy. But luckily, luckily... Luckily, he's got friends, and they got to head out to the mall because, you know, it's on at the mall because it's the 80s. Remember the the 80s? After the skater boy gets away, he tries to go after a sex worker, but... Sex worker. Hooker? Mistress of the evening. Lady of the night? It was shot in Canada, so I I think sex worker is more polite than hooker. But but here's the thing that's shocking. So he finds this hooker. And she looks interested, too, until he pulls out the scalpel. Yet, they're like a good 30 feet away from each other. And she just runs back inside. And That's he's going to... crazy. Why would, a, uh, it, why would a hooker run away from a dude with a knife? It's exactly. Insanity. And as he's about to go after her, his, his beeper goes off and he has to come back to the hospital because it's time for surgery. And while they're in the, uh, in the scrub room uh, getting their, uh, their hands all nice and moist, Ryan, who is undercover as, <laughs> as an orderly... Steals the scalpel. That, well, you know, you gotta get it all clean and moist. And takes it and shows it to Mickey. He's like, Mickey, look, I got the scalpel. We're done. And she's like, No, no, Ryan, you have to give the scalpel back. Howlett's the only one who could save Jack. So now you got the dilemma. What do they do? And of course, well, it's not really that big of a dilemma because they don't spend a lot of time thinking about it. It's, well, we gotta save Jack. So Ryan gives the scalpel back to Howlett. Howlett performs the surgery, and as he's finishing up with the surgery, still very shaken because he does not know if the evil mojo is going to work, he notices that the patient that he's working on is Jack, the guy he threw down in the elevator shaft. So even though Jack survives the surgery, Howlett has plans. Tells the nurses, nobody sees this patient but me. I am the follow-up doctor. No other doctors see this patient. I will be in charge of his medication. While we're worried about Jack and Howlett, the crazy lady from earlier, there's an orderly watching her. And there's, evidently it's his first day. There's an, there's an orderly watching her. And he also notices the incredibly wonderful bouquet of flowers well, that's been deposited next to her table in this lovely vase. Well, yes. Which is then smashed over his head to knock him unconscious. Because he's an idiot. Because she says, please loosen these straps. They're so tight. So it must have been his first day on the job. And she's able to get away. She steals his keys, gets her clothes and her gun out of a locker. A personal belongings locker. Slash. Labeled. Yeah, it's clearly labeled personal belongings slash blankets. Right. You know where they keep the gun. Right, exactly. And now she's on the hunt for Howlett. And we get some more cat and mouse in the, in the hospital. Everybody converges in Jack's room at once. Howlett disarms crazy lady by cutting her gun in half with the scalpel 
and is about to finish her off when my, uh, Mickey and Ryan walk in, and he takes off to the bowels of the of the hospital again. Evidently, that's his go-to place. Like, oh, you won't find me here in the underbelly of this dilapidated, crappy hospital. But of course, they do. But the tables are turned when Dr. Howlett starts cutting through trash can lids and being all menacing towards Mickey, which leads to a, a drag-out knockdown fight where he takes out Ryan and is about to slowly split Mickey from stem to stern when luckily Mickey takes a defibrillator which still evidently has a charge even though it's down in the basement and not plugged in. My, that's shocking. Yes. Takes it, makes contact with the tip of the scalpel blade and electrocutes Dr. Howlett, killing him and saving the day. And saving the day. Which means the item is recovered. In the car exposition, a perfect info dump. Something that we talk about regularly inside of just about everything that we review is the ability to effectively and consistently pull off what are called exposition scenes. Mm, yes. Exposition scenes are typically inside of a movie, very much inside of a movie, but also inside of television series episodes, where there's a lot of information that needs to be taken from the mouths or being showcased on screen and then dumped into the viewer's mind. Right. And this show really does it well. You know, we need to know what's going on with the item. We need to know a little bit about the person and the item. Mm. We might need to know a little bit about the surrounding environment or the people that surround the person that's got the thing. And this show really does do it well. Yeah. For only being seven episodes in on this show, I got to tell you, comparing it especially to what we review usually, this is some amazing stuff going on here. And this scene inside the car is one of the best that I've seen. Right. Well, it's the best way to do exposition and it's really hard to do, but the best way to do it is make it sound conversational. Yes. And unfortunately, most of the time, it sounds forced conversational because you're like, why would you be talking about this or this way? Now, where this show's concerned, and I think it does have to do, and we've talked about it in previous episodes, it has to do with the Jack character. Jack is the, the wellspring of knowledge. Mickey and Ryan need to know the facts. And it seems, so far, Jack's the one who has his finger squarely on the pulse of what's going on. Not mm. only where the evil objects are concerned, but just in general surroundings. Mm -hmm. Because evidently he reads every single paper that comes out every single morning because he knows everything that's going on around the area in which they live. And it makes sense because he's the older character. Mm -hmm. He is the exposition machine. Yeah, he's the exposition machine. What I also found inside that scene is that the chemistry of the three is now sound. Mm, there's, yes. It, it all feels like, okay, there's an, an empty piece of delicious bread. Wow, that's delicious bread. Now let's spread some really delicious topping on top of it, and now let's take a bite of the bread. Mm -hmm. That's what I feel when I'm interacting with them inside of exposition scenes like this that traditionally are death. Usually inside of television shows like this one, and this scene comes up, death. Yeah. It's usually, okay, well, you know, throw the switch and info dump and go. And the sad thing about it is is that uh, uh, most of the time those scenes are written 
because writers, directors, studio heads, whatever, whoever you want to blame, they feel the audience is too stupid to figure out what's going mm-hmm. on. So we have to explain it to you. Mm-hmm. And, and that's how it really is with all storytelling. It's just the way that we explain it to you is either entertaining or, wow, that's forced. Quality acting from the bedlocked lady. Now, going beyond the fact that this sounds incredibly illegal, <laughs> where you would just kidnap somebody and throw them in a hospital because hey, it's Wednesday. She's got and a she gun. She tried gun. to kill somebody. Yeah. Put her in a put her in a psych ward. Yeah, there, there's a whole bunch of problems there, but we're not going to dig much into that. What we are going to dig into though is the acting conveyed by this lady who is locked up in the bed talking to Jack. It's one of the best scenes of the of the episode, frankly, because as you can imagine, being a unsettled slash on the fringe slash ready to murder a doctor that killed her daughter. Right. You can imagine how over the top that could become very, very quickly. Very. And that this lady was able to, that it was a consistent, vibrant, engaging conveyance of information for as long as it was. And it's a long scene. It is is a marvel and that they were able to pull it off inside of this episode, I think was even a more compelling reason to, to want to see something else happen with that lady, yeah. which is why when she does come back, you are then re-engaged and probably why they didn't just lock her up and then not go back to her character. Right. And that's the credit to a show like this because sometimes, yeah, the acting's a little hammy. Uh, what do you expect? It was the 80s, and it's also an, a cheap anthology show. Mm-hmm. You're going to get what you can get. Now, in this episode, though, everything, all of the performances were, any time it could have gone over the top, everything stayed very much on the level. Grounded. There yeah. was there was some goony things about the medical procedures, but mm-hmm. uh, but again, we are now used to now being in you know the late 20 aughts, or whatever you want to call them. We've got medical shows that are like so yeah, <laughs> so like, detailed like that cameras it's put into a circle exactly yeah. yeah so yeah, yeah. so yeah. going from what we know now and traveling back to the 80s to where oh well mr johnson he's he's not doing well looks like you've given birth to a can of tomato paste awesome <laughs> so yeah. you can forgive yeah. you can forgive stuff like that but the the rest of the acting especially with some of the the just the a bit players for this episode was very well, especially with this, the crazy lady, as I call her. I don't even know if she ever was given a name in the episode. Yeah. But uh, she actually kind of hammers home the the second half of how dangerous this guy is. You've got the fact, oh, yeah, okay, so he's killing people to recharge right. his scalpel. Right. right. But this is a personal yeah. vendetta against Dr. Howley. Yeah, it takes it out of that vein of just murdering florist in the middle of an alley someplace with all kinds of spectators huh yeah uh it turns it in from that and also from what was the original jack the ripper premise which is hey time for some sex i'm gonna go find a hooker that's alone and murder her well i mean yeah i mean they could have just completely changes they could have done they could have just copied that it's like he well all he does is go after sex workers right Oh, okay, okay we've but we've already been there. Right? Yeah, we've we've seen I, that. I, I like that they they're able to spin on what was, and then actually give the the tool a superheroic quality, mm. which is a complete different steer yeah. for this. That you could ever go, hey, remember Jack the Ripper? Oh yeah, man, that was terrible. 
Mm, yeah. Yeah. But there's this other 50% that happens also with it. And it doesn't mean I want people to get murdered so we can fix other people. Right. But if that imagine if that was a dynamic of Jack the Ripper scalpel. That's very interesting. And that's exactly what's at the center of this episode driving it. It's It's very well done. Production design in general. Being able to showcase this episode in what, at least to my knowledge and look, was some sort of hospital, yeah. either at one time or was an existing one, yeah. was a was a great move. Very. It, it, it actually gives us a really, really great comparison to a couple of episodes where we needed to be inside of a mortuary, and what we got was essentially a funhouse. Yeah, that, that hell, hello, Halloween episode. Yeah. Where they're just running around a building that was definitely used probably in September and October as a haunted house, but they needed as a rundown mortuary. Just did, 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 did there didn't was work. no at all, didn't, not at all. Didn't work. What this didn't work looked, here, there. this looked like a hospital. Yeah, this looked like a hospital. There were hallways. There was equipment. The people there was that a were morgue. there were in place. There was what looked like a morgue. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And those pieces are the very small pieces that help put you into place. And are so appreciated. Oh, yeah. I don't know what it costs to get the, 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 the shooting facility to go and shoot that, but whatever money was spent, absolutely worth every dollar. <laughs> Details, schmeetails. We always talk about things that we could probably just sit and nick pick for a <laughs> long time inside of any program that we probably review. But there are a few things inside this episode I wanted to make sure we drew attention to. One that comes to mind really quick, obviously, are the scrubbing details taken advantage of inside of this episode. Mm. While you see much of the appropriate hand scrubbing going on, what you also see are people just running around grabbing and touching everything inside of that room where everybody gets scrubbed up. And I have to tell you, nobody touches anything inside of that room. It It is, I would call it the human version of a cold room inside of a server facility where there are machines and there is air conditioning and there is nothing else. It is it is a pristine environment right. because it needs to be a pristine environment. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. My uh, my wife who's a nurse would her her eye would twitch <laughs> yeah. seeing something yeah. like that. Yeah. Well, you know, if we're going to talk about that, let's talk about the details of a killer trying to hunt for prey. Okay. <laughs> Because because the detail was in the very beginning. Right. The very beginning of it, we don't see the killer's face. Right, because of McKilling jacket. Right, yeah, the, the super murder coat. Murder coat, that's it. And, <laughs> and even though 20 minutes into the episode, we do learn that the scalpel belongs to a Dr. Howlett, well, well you're, you're watching the show, you're going to go, okay, so Dr. Howlett's the killer. But if he's going to hunt for prey... Even though we know he's the killer, nobody else should know that he's the killer. Right, so he should still be at least attempting yeah. to but, cover his identity. Especially if he's now become this prestigious, uh, dragging a right. hospital out of doom area person. He's in the media. In the People new, are going to recognize him. Absolutely. Yeah. He's got to cover his face. And so I didn't understand that except for maybe like it's because it's it's hard-pressed time and I've got to do this and whoops, I forgot. I don't know. That's just a big whoop. It's, a, it's possible, but but again, that's that's flimsy. Flimsy is a very good word for that. I, the one I can think of is, sure, she's just a hooker, quote unquote, but she's probably a hooker that has access to a telephone. 
And she she's standing right door. next to a payphone. Yeah. <laughs> so I I guess I didn't get that, and I think it was just a whoops in regard to the production design yeah. and process of the episode capture. But it really it really needed it. Yes. Both, both of those people should not be walked up to and just, hey, what's going on? Shing! That's not how that should work. I think the last one I wanted to make sure that we just noted was the haunted house halls of the bowels of the hospital. I've been in a variety of places that are hospitals and hospital-like, and I've been inside the basements because, as is depicted here, that is where the laundries are and kind of the storage Storage areas, areas. yeah. Yes, I, I can't possibly, and it's even, very often it's dark down there because guess what? There's nobody down there, and so they want the lights off. Okay, guys, I got it. I absolutely got it. It just looked a little too horror roomy for me (laughs) down there. And again, I get that they're wanting to paint it darker and make it where there's some atmosphere. I I get it. I get it. I just I want the story and the characters to drive the story rather than we need to make sure that we've got something macabre and horrific inside of this episode to match the tenor of something called Friday the 13th, the series. And I, yeah. I think that this series has enough power, especially with the characters, especially with the bold moves that they can make with these objects, that it just doesn't need it. It does not need the... The only thing that was missing inside of this was that re 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 music that you'd have inside of something like this, where they're turning a corner and something horrific is seen. re re yeah. re yeah. And you just... You, you don't need any of that. All True. that be gone. True. But you also have to remember that this is a show... That is designed to be scary. So, of course, if there's going to be a chase, especially a cat and mouse type chase, they're going to put it in a scary location, which is a dark, cluttered, basement-like hallway. So, I I get it, but I'm now wanting and expecting better from this show. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I think what what strikes me the most is while we were watching this episode, I saw the name of the hospital that's mentioned inside of here. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's it's Ravenbrook, I think, is the name of the hospital. Ravenbrook. Yeah, I mean, wow, absolutely perfect, right, for the name of a hospital that's creepy and needs to appear inside of a show called Friday the 13th? Yep. Well, not so strangely, I found it inside of this wonderful cacophony of information about this series that talks about its history and the development of the of the of the actual program. Oh yeah. And I haven't had obviously since we just got done watching the episode, I haven't had the chance to read through a lot of it, but what I did read through struck me and it's why I want there to be some definitive delineation between what is Friday the 13th the series and what this show is. I'm going to read just a couple of parts here. And we're going to link to this whole thing so you guys can read whatever you want at your leisure. Just beware. There's all kinds of spoilerific everywhere. So if you want to watch the episodes pristine like we are Mm -hmm. and not be spoiled like you will be if you read everything inside of this thing, just beware. Under the section where it says critical commentary, it reads, Friday the 13th, the series, is an excellent example of a terror TV series with a terrific concept but flawed execution. The writers slash creators of this late 80s horror adventure found an excellent premise filled with valid and even daring cinematic possibilities, but then opted to probe the same story again and again, week after week, month after month. It goes on here, and there's a small breakdown inside the paragraph there. Right. But what I want to emphasize there is that even in something that is critical of this program, Mm -hmm. they absolutely showcase brilliant idea. 
right. and that is what this show is. And I, I, again, we're only seven episodes in, so I, I, we can't. You cannot draw the definitive line because we don't know. Right. Oh yeah. yeah. The, the the gist though is Too that soon. yeah, there is so much power that has nothing to do with anything horrific. And there is a difference, and you know this as well. There's a difference between something inside of the genre of horror and being horrific, and then being that other thing that this show absolutely has the potential to be and has been mm-hmm. inside of a couple of episodes. It's where it, it turns into that that Twilight Zone-esque anthology series-style storytelling. Right, right. And this absolutely has all of that through line inside of every single episode where if you completely forgot that the the t- name of the television show like those people I talked to is Friday the 13th the series, you could mention something like, "Hey, remember that episode where there's, I don't know, a wood chipper?" Okay, well, I don't remember what season that was, but it's one of the few episodes that I remember if you were to just say, "Hey, remember that Twilight Zone with the wood chipper?" Right, okay, well, yeah. it wasn't a Twilight Zone episode. It was an episode of this series. Yeah. And that's kind of what I'm talking about is if there could just be some steeped push to focus on the objects, I think a series like this today would work wonderfully. There are so many series that are that Twilight Zone and skewing into horror genre-esque stuff that we're seeing right now. Uh, Black Mirror, we've I think talked about a couple. We've of talked times. about Black Mirror. There's uh, there's a whole there's a whole uh, slew uh, of them now. Carbon is another one that does the same style thing. And what's what's neat is that some of them put the items slash things that are going on inside of the same verse, but many of them don't, where it's just free form and this story happens. Right. Ding, and now you move on to the next one. And I enjoy that. I enjoy that a lot, where it's just it's a series of stories that are plucked and shared, and you move on. I love that. It's where the smattering of details need to not be shmee tales. The breathing ability of Jack while under the knife, or in this case, a scalpel. This is something that I think every single surgical slash medical show gets wrong huge. They might show the little breathing. They might show that thing. But what they never show, almost without question, is the person's actual chest moving up and down. Whether it's a prosthesis or it's the person's actual chest moving up and down when you hear the breathing sounds. Right. Well, they had it. And kudos, giant kudos, to the production design team that knew that something like that even needed to be showcased, but they did it consistently. It's not once, it's not twice, it's every single time that they show that Jack's on the table right. and he's breathing. I well, it's the practical, it's, it's practical effects, and we love practical effects here. And this this episode is filled with a lot of them. We've got Jack breathing on the table, and and I'm sure that they just they just set something up to where there's a piece of plastic over Jack's the the, the actor's yeah. mm-hmm. chest, mm-hmm. and they've got all the blood and the and and, and chunky stuff that they can pull up mm-hmm. or dab and things sure. like that that mm-hmm. look yeah. like he's cut open. Mm-hmm. Great, easy, simple, and effective. Same thing with the superpower of the blade of the mm. scalpel it it cuts yeah. through things like butter and there is an effect of sparks like a sparkler going off yeah and it's real sparks yeah it's That's, real sparks uh, some, something i won't say that i can detect every single time i see it but there are many times even today when you see like the waft of smoke 
Mm-hmm. Like somebody is walking approxim- in some approximate distance to smoke. Okay, well, if you see it and it doesn't look real, it looks really fake really quick. Right. Now, that's changing. It absolutely is changing. I cannot possibly discern every single special effect that there is to date. But you you really can, if you if you take a moment and look, you you really especially back then, you can tell when things are not real. Mm-hmm. And it's great to see where they were they were blurring the line and utilizing real effects to pull off what was going on. The the splicing of that gun, the oh, garbage yeah. can lid. Yeah. That was really was good stuff and it was simple. Mm-hmm. Didn't cost a lot of money, costed no airtime at all because there it is. And because of the the spark effects, it it makes you go whoa. Yeah, it it really puts the the peril, the danger of what that that blade can actually do to somebody. Yeah, yeah, that's a perfect segue to. The tossing factor. There's a piece of every movie that destroys just about every semblance of validity, quality, and entertainment that I can think of. Mm. And I will always spring towards one of my favorite movies to rail on in regard to it. Everyone say it with me. Terminator Terminator Salvation. Salvation. That's right. Everybody guessed it. Awesome. Great work, everyone. For those that are curious, the factor that happens inside of this film and way too many others, in my opinion, is that the mechanized Terminator, for those of you that have never heard of mike what's a terminator thanks (laughs) pardon me while i throw you across the room if you are a giant murder bot from the future crafted to kill not just one person but anybody that might muck up the problem of killing that one person then my guess is you could probably grab someone's skull by their two eye sockets and squish it like a grape like mr miyagi says Mm -hmm. okay so knowing that with all great Terminators comes this great power with great responsibility to murder. <laughs> you have to remember that every single time inside of every single movie that a Terminator grabs anybody, whether it's John Connor or not, and then casts them across the room, I call bullshit. Because it's not supposed to operate that way. It, right. is, a, it, is, a, it is a way to elongate the envelope of storytelling and or this character can't die right now, but maybe later. Except maybe not later. And I, I am so done with that. Uh, there, there's several different things inside of storytelling that I'm done with. But that, I'm absolutely done with it. No, yeah, I and agree. It, it doesn't happen inside of only the super-powered murder bots either. It happens inside of, let's just say you're a dude and you're going to kill people. I don't know, with maybe what? A scalpel. Okay. Inside of this, Dr. Halibut, Dr. Howlett. Howlett, thank you. Dr. Howlett inside this episode chooses to begin slicing the crazy lady slash just emotionally disturbed because her daughter's been murdered lady. Uh That's a whole title, by the way, in case you didn't know. And then runs off. And I guess if I'm the guy that wants to charge that knife and the only way you get the charge knife is by slitting people's throat or killing them outright with it, I'm slitting throat and then I'm running. I'm not just smashing on her arm which is the case here because she stands back up and holds her arm yeah she got sliced in the arm right and, and I, I i equate that to the tossing across the room of this guy that is a murderer outright we know it's what at least four or five murders at least 
At least, probably, most definitely probably more. Probably half dozen, if yeah, not a dozen. Right. Because it's been a period of time where he's helped the hospital get this larger piece of prestige, blah. Okay, well, it just seemed to me that if he could charge the battery and be super person again, whether it's for him or whatever else he's going to do, and the jig is up, I don't know how you put the genie back in the bottle after the, the events of this episode. Dude, I'm instantly murdering her with that scalpel. Honestly, well, okay, but but here's the problem. It's not like he stabs her, she goes boo, and he runs away. It's she gets sliced, and then Mickey and Ryan walk in the room. He's he's found out. He's stopped. He must make an escape because now he has three bodies that he has to deal with. He's going to be overpowered by three people. He's not an idiot. He's not a, he's not a stupid man. Divide and conquer. He doesn't have to worry about Crazy Lady because guess what? Oh, oh, Dr. Howlett cut me. Well, you're crazy. We're not going to believe you. We're going to put you back in the room. You know, that room where you knocked a poor orderly out with that beautifully, va- arranged, beautifully flowers. arranged flowers. <laughs> really, if, if I'm Dr. Howlett, I'm not worried about her. Yeah. And I'm taking off. Of course, Mickey and Ryan are going to chase me. Well, now I've t- I've taken them to where I feel comfortable. I'm I'm down here all the time because mm-hmm. this is where I keep my murder coat. Mm. And I stalk them, and I'm going to kill them. And I don't have to worry about people discovering the bodies down here because hardly nobody comes down here. I come down here, not anybody else. Mm. Had he stayed in the room to try to finish everybody off, how is he going to get rid of those bodies? Anybody could have. Another nurse could have walked in. An orderly could have walked in, but down in the bowels of the hospital has a much better chance of dispatching Mickey and Ryan. We can dismiss Crazy Lady, and then he can do whatever he wants to poor, defenseless, helpless Jack Marshak. But that's me if I were the murderer. I would tend to agree with you, except he does it again with Ryan. So, meh, meh. I, I realize that we can't kill Ryan but he had every opportunity and reason to kill Ryan down in the bowels of the hospital. Right, yeah, he knocks Ryan out and then goes after Mickey, of course. Right. right. But but that's the writing of the show. It's okay. It's more perilous. It's more more perilous. Oh, I'm saving the best for last. There was a great cheesy line from the late Dr. Howlett because he's now menacing on the female character. Right. Now, it doesn't work today. Because that was extremely cheesy, but I can understand them. Oh well, we've got to we've got to have it to where always oh, going after the defenseless female. But guess what? She's not defenseless. She has the magic defibrillator that still has a charge. So yes, I I, I agree. Kind of goony, but still explainable. Yeah. I tire of things like that, and that's actually where we ask you guys as the audience. What did you think of this point? Was it something that needed to be written differently, or what do you think? Let us know what you think by going over to our website. That's CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Click anywhere on the right-hand side of the page, fill out the quick web form, and tell us what you think. Nick, I hear the bell of the guy that comes to sharpen blades regularly. We're going to take a quick break during the Curious Goods Podcast. Make your podcast soar with the Editor Core. The one question every podcaster needs to ask themselves is, why am I still editing my own podcast? We all know that editing your own podcast is the worst part of the podcast experience. 
get the editing off your plate and reclaim more time to make more content with The Editor Core. Affordable, talented, experienced podcast editors are ready to take your podcast literally to the next level to make it soar. Make your podcast soar with The Editor Core. EditorCore.com. That's EditorCore.com. Thought about a career in voiceover? Need a great, cost-effective on-hold message for your organization or business? Don't know where to start? Check out The Voice Farm, your one-stop shop for voiceover needs. Check it out now by accessing The Voice Farm at voicefarmers.com and see what difference can be made with a company that is truly outside the box. From The Voice Box, voicefarmers.com. That's voicefarmers.com. Trying to navigate the many genres and subgenres of horror can be like trying to perform an autopsy with no medical degree. You're not going to get very far, and you're going to make a mess try. Do everyone a favor. Hand the scalpels over to two guys talking horror, and let them make the first incision while dissecting the genres of horror. Only from twoguystalkinghorror.com. Wouldn't it be cool if your advertising could last forever? It can. With perpetual advertising, here's how it works. Magazine, radio, and television ads are efforts that people might see or hear once, and then they're lost forever. Perpetual advertising provides you with the chance for repeat exposure and replayability weeks, months, even years after it's originally inserted inside a podcast. So even if your advertising is included in a podcast years ago, those efforts are still impactful, providing you with true return on investment, real impact, thanks to perpetual advertising. Are you ready to change the way you and your company or organization advertises? Find out more and launch a unique perpetual advertising effort now by visiting twoguystalking.com forward slash sponsors. That was a great trip to Jim's Knives, Mike. Jim's Knives. <laughs> shing, shing. Everyone, welcome back to the Curious Goods Podcast. A retelling, a revisit, and a complete educational detailing of every single episode of Friday the 13th, the series. This time, Season 1, Episode 7, Dr. Jack. Every time we come back from break during the Curious Goods Podcast, it's time... To break out our curious goods. The curious goods is where Nick and I spy something interesting, whether it be an actor portrayal, something inside the production design line of what goes on inside of this episode, or something else that trips our collective review night. Fantastic. Nick, what do you got? My curious good for this episode has got to be the solidification of the trio you know they've been they've been in perilous situations before but this is the very first time where one of them actually really got seriously hurt Mm -hmm. and while jack is being prepped and even under the knife we get tiny little moments of mickey and ryan expressing their feelings about what are they going to do and and how jack being in their life has has enriched it. And that's great for the character development of these three characters. Oh, the yeah. the 
forming of a bond instead of they're just three people they are becoming a family and and i don't want to use that i don't want to use that term too heavily because you know every show is like yeah oh well you know characters stay around long enough it's like one big happy family yeah okay but in this case you know mickey and ryan are technically family by marriage but jack being the patriarch of this little group it really gets hammered home in this episode how much Mickey and Ryan not only depend on on Jack and his influence, but rely on the positive reinforcement that Jack delivers being in their life. Yeah. It's making them better people having Jack around. Yeah. And I think vice versa. Yeah, this is a good Friend Forge episode. There's no question. It, it absolutely helps solidify what's going on between the three characters. Definitely something that we recognize. And again, a testament to that in the car info dump that we had as exposition inside this episode. I thought it was very good. My curious good for this episode has got to be in the form of the hospital. Yeah. I'm telling you, on site for anything inside of this series is just going to amp up the game. Right. When you have so many different things to choose from just because you're shooting in an environment like this, I I call awesome all over that. Mm. I love every single tidbit that we get of this from the front of the facility that does look like what is essentially a back then called a, a, you know, home for the criminally insane slash people that have needs slash, you know, the uh, state hospital for Mm -hmm. the blah, whatever it's going to be called. It looks very much like that. It's got that sage old look. And with a tiny little bit of production design on the front, whether the rest of it was actually shot there doesn't make any difference at all. Right, yeah. So kudos, again, maybe maybe not even to the hospital, but to the production design of what's going on inside of this episode, where wherever it was shot, pulled off wonderfully, and it was a hospital, asterisk. Whether it was only a hospital that helped people with mental needs, or if it was a full-blown facility that caters to everybody that needs medical assistance, doesn't make any difference because the options that were provided and the quality of what you get to see amps up the episode immensely. That's where we ask you guys, what was your curious good for this episode, Season 1, Episode 7, Dr. Jack? Let us know what you think by going over to our website over at CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Click anywhere on the right-hand side of the page, fill out the quick web form, and tell us what you think. Vocabulary. Everyone knows my love of seeking out new words and phrases so as to make my speech pattern more unrecognizable than the day before. (laughs) (laughs) And today is no exception. Inside this episode, we are provided with a wonderfully ornate piece of medically detailed vocabulary that ensures that everything inside of the rest of this episode that you'll see is absolutely 100% authentic when it comes to medicine. (laughs) The words used inside this episode are abdominal aortic aneurysm. A very colorful word. And to find out what the detail means, we're actually going to look at the Mayo Clinic itself to get the detail. Again, that's mailclinic.org. You'll see the link inside the show notes for it. It reads, in overview, an abdominal aortic aneurysm is an enlarged area in the lower part of the aorta, the major blood vessel that supplies blood to the body. The aorta, about the thickness of a garden hose, runs from your heart through the center of your chest and abdomen. 
Because the aorta is the body's main supplier of blood, a ruptured abdominal aortic aneurysm can cause life-threatening bleeding. Depending on the size and the rate at which your abdominal aortic aneurysm is growing, the treatment may vary from watchful waiting to emergency surgery. Once an abdominal aortic aneurysm is found, doctors will closely monitor it so that you can be murdered inside of a room when you are alone next to a vase of flowers. Emergency surgery for a ruptured abdominal aortic aneurysm can be very risky. A very intense reading from the Mayo, the Mayo Clinic itself. Again, we'll link over to the show notes where it will describe the symptoms and when to see a doctor procedures, as well as some of the causes that will provide you with what is something I hope nobody ever has, an abdominal aortic aneurysm. I think what struck me haha, here inside of this episode is as we were reading more about this, I remembered the three words appearing together and where I might have first heard them. Mm -hmm. And it was when Conway Twitty, the now unfortunately dead country singer, died. He actually died of this. Yeah. Where just he's alive one day and now he's not because of abdominal aortic aneurysm. So, again, not feeling well. Time to get thee to a doctor. And that's why we ask you guys what struck you in regard to vocabulary inside this episode. Go over to our website. Again, that's CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Click anywhere on the right-hand side of the page, fill out the quick web form, and tell us what you can help complement abdominal aortic aneurysm inside this episode. The rating! It's time to rate this episode, Season 1, Episode 7 of Friday the 13th, The Series, Season 1, Episode 7, Dr. Jack. Our scale works thusly. Ten is on top of the heap. A giant pile of spaghetti steeped in tomato paste shoved into a dummy body and showcased inside this episode wonderfully. A one is on the bottom of the heap. Hey man, is that some ravioli or is that an aortic embolism? Everything starts at a seven as an average. The numbers go up with positives. The numbers go down with negatives. And Nick? There are no halvesies. Nick, what do you got? This is one of the few episodes that I remember, vaguely remember, watching as a child. Uh, of course, I, I couldn't tell you what the plot was, but I, the, the thing that did stick out the most is the fact that there is a connection to Jack the Ripper. I, I'm, a, uh, mm. I'm, a, I'm a big, I'm not going to say I'm, I'm like a fan of, oh, the, of the case of Jack the Ripper, but I'm very interested in all things Jack the Ripper-esque. And there are a lot of horror shows and films that have, have gone back to talk or touch upon the the mystery and legend of Jack the Ripper. Mm -hmm. uh, another another TV series, short lived TV series that I I loved watching, Kolchak, the Night Stalker. There was an actual episode that dealt with Jack the Ripper, and in, in which possibly Jack the Ripper was immortal, and to keep his immortality, he must come back every thirty to fifty years and kill five more females. Mm. Mm. Uh, very interesting. This episode. You add in the fact that there is the theory that Jack the Ripper and his civilian guys could have been a surgeon. 
it kind of it, it it pays homage to the conspiracy theories surrounding around it, and and gives it General a little concept, bit yeah, yeah, it just gives it a little bit more mystique. Yeah. So big big kudos there where that's concerned. Now you add to the fact that there's great production value with the fact that they have found a location that looks spot on as a rundown hospital wasn't shiny and new but it looked like a damn hospital mm-hmm. then you add in the practical effects so we've already got a lot of pluses where this episode is concerned now you have to factor in some of the dings we've talked about it several different times one line of dialogue can change an entire scene mm-hmm. when they tackle the crazy lady and put her in a psychiatric bed all they needed to do was say there needed to be one line of dialogue like we're going to hold her here till the police arrive or we've been instructed by the police to hold her here until somebody higher up can can come in and question her blah 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 something like that or or, or even to give a little bit more mystique to this she's a pa- she was already a patient there she was already locked up there and she keeps getting out that would have made things a little bit more interesting. Oh, well, Susie keeps on getting out of her manacles again. I don't know how she got that gun. There you go. There's another, there's just one line yeah. of dialogue. Even uh, a dude dresses a cop being walked out by somebody in a white coat of the room. Thank you, officer. And it's done. We'll, we'll, we'll let you know if there's a change in her condition. Right. Right, right there. Boom. It allows for a semblance of credibility inside of what is absolutely incredible. Yeah. I mean, the, the scene was just not credible. So, with all of the pluses and the handful of minuses there, this episode rounds itself out to an eight for me. I think that that's a, a great episode. What I also love about this program is that it allows me. Something that I know I get way more positive feedback than I do negative feedback. Mm-hmm. And it's where there will be some Mike story <laughs> steeped inside of what's going on inside of this podcast. Wow. Well, I've, I've always known, and that's why I podcast, is that every single time I'm able to sit in front of the mic and convey something about my either memories or history or my life, this is a piece of living legacy for me. And so this is this next section here is dedicated to that little piece. I remember also being very interested in little bits of what was Jack the Ripper way back then. Mm-hmm. So much so that I would go and look for like video games and stuff that were Jack the Ripper related. And I don't think that there's been a giant boon of those recently. Mm-hmm. But back in the 80s, there were several. Mm. And one that I can remember specifically was called The Ripper. And The Ripper was a text-based game. For those of you that don't remember what those were, we'll link to... In fact, this game, I would love to be able to link to this game inside of the show notes for this episode. And essentially what you do is you envision yourself inside of a city and you are told that things happen and now you can go and do things based on you going, I walk down the stairs and you you hit the enter key and the computer tells you what happens. And this was just as video games were become or just eking outside the scope of being this text-based vi- game right. where they would start looping in f- uh, snapshots and photographs of stuff that you could you would be seeing and and experiencing while you're doing it. Yeah. And what I remember specifically was asking questions about the scalpel that was used. And again, back then it wasn't so much that they weren't focusing on the forensic minutia well, I was. Yeah, well, yeah. 
And it's because I was curious. The, 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 the gist and the quandary that something like the Jack the Ripper murders offer to a populace of anybody, it doesn't matter whether you're interested in law enforcement or not, it really does create this giant question mark. And whether you lean in when somebody says Jack the Ripper or you don't is really kind of immaterial. What everybody can agree to is that the murders and the the folly, the 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 instance of something like the murders of Jack the Ripper, they are absolutely a spectacle. No, oh, yeah, yeah. It's it's a social spectacle that nobody can really you can't just hear that and go, Oh, okay. They all are a spectacle, regardless of which of the murders we're going to focus on and talk about. Mm-hmm. And so the, I absolutely join you in that want to where they go, blah, 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 Jack the Ripper. What? You instantly have that inside the episode as a, as a beginning point. Throwing all of the extra super kick-ass production design that I'm seriously hoping every single episode that we watch <laughs> from now on continues on because it's can only so hope. easy. It's so easy to just rail on a program when it doesn't have that production design, but it had it inside of this wow. one. You add on the acting of that of the, quote, crazy lady inside the hospital who really is just an, an affected mother. I mean, yeah. it's not, a tragic not, story. Not so much crazy as I want vengeance, and I'm telling you, I'm a giant fan of vengeance movies. You know, whether it's just a mom and a gun or it's a father that has had their children murdered or whatever else. I'm a giant fan of those. Mm-hmm. So you got me two, three points already up. You start throwing on some of the dings. I'm, I'm I'm way OK with it because the vast majority of the dings are little tiny process things that they obviously filmed quick just to get it captured so they could capture the episode and get it to production. Yeah. So I'm, I'm OK with that. I join you in your number and give this episode... And eight. And that's where we ask you guys, what did you think of this episode? Season one, episode seven, Dr. Jack. Let us know what you think by going to our website over at Curious Goods Podcast. Click anywhere on the right-hand side of the page, fill out the quick web form, and tell us what you think. Nick, I've stood in the sink now for at least three and a half minutes washing both my hands. But also, this scalpel. I'm going to put it back in the case. We're going to throw this in the vault, and it's time to say goodbye. Goodbye, Scalpel. Until next time, I am Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Nicholas J. Hearn, your other host. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Curious Goods Podcast. We are always interested in learning what you remember about these enchanted items and their tales of reacquisition. Connect with us immediately at CuriousGoodsPodcast.com to share your treasured information. Until the next artifact reveals itself, the vault is now closed. <laughs>